0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York. Today is Friday, July 3rd, 2020. There's quite a few things we might get to today, some things we might talk about today, some things we'll try to get to in no specific order. WWE's reality TV viewership, the WWE stockholders meeting, rules of conduct, Google web search for the top WWE and AEW stars, maybe some miscellaneous others as well. Bushiroad, a few weeks ago actually, put out its Q3 report, maybe a couple weeks ago. Evolve has been sold to WWE. We are well into the time of coronavirus, the latest in what's happening there and what happened at the last AEW taping. Some big four TV viewership trends. I've spent the last few hours, when I should have been recording this podcast, I've been knee deep in it, not just AEW and NXT TV viewership, but knee deep into the minutia of quarter hour viewership. Can you believe it? I don't know what I learned, but I but I have a spreadsheet with many tabs in front of me. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the class action lawsuit uh, where stockholders are suing WB, claiming that they were misled or lied to about WB's uh, expectations for its Middle East North Africa TV deal. They're they're suing WB over that. And one Jerry McDivitt has weighed in. So first, let's do the short news items. Evolve Wrestling has been sold to WWE. According to PW Insider, the deal was finalized after several months of negotiations between WWE and Evolve Parent, WWN, the World Wrestling Network. According to the Observer, Evolve Booker Gabe Sapolsky will continue to work for WWE and NXT in a creative capacity. Evolve and WWE had had a relationship for a few years now that, according to the Observer, allowed WWE to purchase the company at a future time. WWE may have a similar relationship and agreement with Progress Wrestling, the UK based independent wrestling company. In COVID news, during the latest taping for AEW's Fighter Fest events, some people who were Daily's Place were Jaguar sponsors that is, the Jacksonville Jaguars, were allowed to bring some family and friends to watch the event as fans. According to Pro Wrestling Sheet, these people were seated in the upper bowl of Daly's Place, and they were probably not tested for COVID-19. Pro Wrestling Sheet's source with AEW said that everyone in the lower bowl or backstage area were tested for COVID-19. Reportedly, the attendees in the upper bowl were spaced beyond CDC's guidelines. Of course, AEW is taping in Jacksonville, Florida. WWE continues to to tape at the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. As we've been talking about just about weekly here, the rate of new cases of the coronavirus in the state of Florida continue to surge well above the rate of that of the United States in general. Daily new cases per million in Florida on a seven-day moving average are over twice the rate of the U.S. in general. This is happening as the US in general is seeing its rate of daily new COVID cases surge above the earlier peak in early April although cases have increased since restrictions were lifted daily new cases in Japan in the last week are about 1 new case per million so let's let's round a lot of wrestling related countries up real quick a lot of wrestling related regions up in cases per million on average last 7 days Japan 1. Australia, about 1.5. Canada, 9. United Kingdom, 14. Mexico, 39. United States, 132. Happy 4th of July. Florida, 366. But let's dig deeper. Let's go into the Florida counties of Duval County and Orange County. Again, cases per million people. Duval County, where Jacksonville is, where AEW is running, 539. Orange County, where Orlando is, where WB is running, 595. So let's run through all that one more time uh, from smallest to largest. These are just a, a selection of regions that are relevant to pro wrestling. Okay, from uh, smallest to largest, daily new confirmed COVID cases per million people. So that means it's adjusted for population. This is the average over the last seven days, which is June 26th to July 2nd. Lowest on this list, Japan, 0.9. Australia, 1.6. Next is Canada, 8.6. United Kingdom, 14. Mexico, 39. United States, 132. Florida, 366. As many people know, Florida is in the United States. Within Florida is Duval County, which is where Jacksonville is, 539. Orange County, which is where Orlando is in Florida, 595. But is this skewed by testing? Is it true, as Donald Trump says, that because there's so many tests, that's why we have an increase in cases? When you test, you have a case. When you test, you find something is wrong with people. Yet the percentage of positive tests in the state of Florida have increased two consecutive weeks. 4% just two weeks ago, now up to 8% and 9% this week. In Duval County, positive cases at 2.5% just two weeks ago. This week, up over 10%. In Orange County, two weeks ago, at 5%. The week before that, at 2.3%. This week, up over 15%. Pro wrestling events in Orlando and Jacksonville, put on by WWE and AEW respectively, continue on. As mentioned last week, there were a number of positive cases in WWE including Renee Young, Adam Pearce, Jamie Noble, Caleb Braxton, all of whom mentioned so themselves publicly. In AEW, John Moxley forced to stay home due to his wife Renee Young testing positive. As far as we know, Moxley has not tested positive. On Friday, PW Insider reports and the Wrestling Observer confirms WWE will fine anyone who doesn't wear a mask during production at any time other than when they're on camera. The first fine will be five hundred dollars The second fine, 1,000. No word on whether Bill Watts will come in to hand out the fines. Post Wrestling reports that WWE will be taping six more times in July at the Performance Center and six more times in August that will tape them in-ring content running through SummerSlam with tapings ending on August 23rd. There's a worldwide pandemic. People are getting sick. People are dying. But pro wrestling goes on because, by God, we need those TV rights fees, I guess. But let's talk about YouTube. And by the way, today, again, is July 3rd, which means July 30th has just recently passed, which means that Q2 2020 has just come to an end. Another full quarter in the physical universe has come and gone, which means, at least in WB terms, uh, their, their calendar year lines up with uh, their fiscal year, at least since 2006. And that means this is a time where we like to look back and compare, say, the Q2 that has just passed to the Q2 of prior years. And one of the ways that we can look back and compare is with YouTube views, among other metrics. And thanks to uh, socialblade.com, we know how many views WD is doing on YouTube. Now, last year, WWE did 9.1 billion views on YouTube in 2019, which is a huge number, 9 billion, with a B, for Carl Sagan. That's a lot. But that was down by about 1 billion from the prior year in 2018 when they did 10 billion. So somehow, even in this new media world where you would think people are adopting more new media platforms like YouTube and at the same time we're seeing people tune out with a pretty strong R-squared out of linear TV. But uh, YouTube views have been going up steadily. I've got numbers going back to at least 2015, where they increased each year through 2018 until they went down by a billion in 2019. But this year, in the first half of this year, Q1 and Q2 have achieved the highest video view totals in the history of WWE YouTube. So that's Q1 and Q2 are the two highest quarters ever for WWE Q1 doing 2.7 billion. This Q2 doing 4 billion. For a total in the first half of the year of 6.7 billion. If you compare that to the January to June of last year, they did 4.4. So they're up at 6.7 compared to last year's 4.4. So it looks like they're going to shatter the record this year. Good news for WB there. Maybe influenced by coronavirus. I don't know how to say much more than than that as far as evidence, but intuitively one would think maybe there's a coronavirus factor there. Maybe there's just a new media factor there. But, but the question that everybody always wants to know when we bring up YouTube views is, yes, that's great. That's fine. These are big numbers. Cool. But how much money is W really making? Because we all know that the TV money is really where it's at. And YouTube, they don't make hardly any money on YouTube, do they? Well, according to Laura Martin of Needham, she thinks she's a, a, an analyst who covers W stock and a number of other media companies, she thinks that W makes about $20 million annually from YouTube. What does that mean? And in some sort of context, W last year total revenue was I think $960 million. So it's a fraction of, of their revenue. But compare that to other pieces of business, uh, I, I plan to talk about uh reality TV viewership. That is the the show's total divas, total bellas, Ms. and Mrs. I think Based on some numbers that I've scraped together and trying to break that segment, the what the WB other media segment, trying to break that out into uh, further segments, which it is not publicly broken out into. Uh, I think that the reality TV uh, revenue for WWE is about twenty to thirty million dollars per year. So WWE reality TV and YouTube, I think, in the same neighborhood. Again, maybe $20 million annually. Uh, Views are up this year, but maybe advertising is taking a hit because of coronavirus and lessened demand for advertising. So I could see, you know, even though views are probably going to be way up from last year, I could see, you know, ad rates being uh, maybe down. So whatever financial benefit W may have gained from the increase in views, maybe it's going to be offset more or less by the decrease in uh, demand for advertising, that would be my estimation. So let's just leave it in the in the twenty million dollar range for I think the last two years, Laura Martin has said that. So somewhere in that range of twenty million dollars, comparable, I think, to the twenty to thirty million dollars in reality TV revenue. Maybe I'll I'll uh, do a video someday and show how I come to that estimation for reality TV. But the big takeaway there, W doing huge business, uh, (laughs) huge views anyway. I don't know about huge business. Huge views on YouTube. And oh, quick retraction. They did do 3.1 billion views in Q3 2018. That would be the number two quarter of all time. So Q1 is the number three quarter at 2.7 billion. But this quarter, Q2, shatters the record at 4 billion. On a monthly basis, May is the big leader. We on YouTube doing 1.4 billion views. April, 1.37 billion. And June, about 1.2 billion. And come to think of it, if you've been uh, following me on Twitter, you've been seeing, maybe, that I've been tweeting that when I go to Wegmans in these uh, pandemic times and I put on the mask, and I go to the local grocery store chain, Wegmans, which is an excellent grocery store, by the way. But I will go there, and I will listen to old episodes of Wrestleomics Radio. That's right, we heard from one narcissist earlier. We hear from another now. Yes, I will listen to old episodes of my own podcast. But not just any episodes, of course. I will listen to the, the February episode where we in, in each year where we look back at the whole year that had that just passed so around uh, early february of each year w will, will put out its q4 and full year earnings report and that's sort of a, a, a good analysis of the year that has passed and it's interesting to listen to uh i've been meaning to bring this up it's uh it's interesting to listen back sort of like get a time capsule of about each of the last four years and f- see what we thought was going to happen uh, in, in the the near future of wrestling business, which is now sort of the near past. And I hear things like Mookie and I speculate about NXT and what NXT was only on the W Network, of course, at the time. And he you and know, I would speculate at, at, at one point in one of these episodes about well, we we just assumed as if it was common sense and common you know knowledge and a safe assumption that the NXT audience would be a younger audience. We just sort of offhandedly speculate that you know if NXT was on you know let's say the USA Network for example, you know what would its age demographics be like? We just figured, well, it's it's NXT, it's kind of the cooler, more alternative product. It would probably have a, a younger audience, but lo and behold. Here we are in the dystopic year of 2020. In this surreal time where NXT is on the USA Network, its viewership demographics, in fact, do not skew younger than Raw or SmackDown. They skew older. And in fact, Mookie himself works for a company that is going head-to-head with NXT. And I think it's around 2017 we... Talk about whether or not WWE is going to get a big TV rights increase uh, as its you know as its previous deal was winding down. You know, a, a time at which uh, among wrestling media and, and among fans who are kind of informed about the business and about how the media industry works, even they, even we, you know, we're not certain. Or at least we're not strongly certain that there would be a, a TV rights increase ahead for WWE. There were even some doom and gloomers out there who would lament the latest episode of Raw or SmackDown and would, in exasperated terms, uh, maybe reference the latest viewership decline and frantically doubt how WWE would get a TV rights increase. And I I think even uh, there's one episode where Mookie poses the question to me whether or not I thought that... um, you know UFC uh, was looking at uh, getting renewed or not by Fox and well maybe D- WWE is looking at Fox and would they leave the USA network would they leave NBC universal and maybe go to Fox and maybe would Fox you know discard UFC and and go after WWE and as we know now uh UFC went to ESPN first for a linear TV deal and then for the pay-per-view deal through ESPN plus UFC leaving Fox and then Fox Getting, not WWE as a whole, but getting SmackDown. Letting NBC Universal, USA Network, keep Raw for a grand total of a 3.6x, more than tripling the US TV rights fees of the previous round. And uh, another thing that stuck out to me, uh, Mookie says at one point, and I will out him now, he says at one point something that I thought was, uh, you know, very smart, and I'm not sure if that he would even interpret it the way that I'm about to interpret it, but nonetheless, he said, and I will take it out of context, in the absence of a philosophy, the brand is the draw, is a dangerous thing. End quote. Yes, stars are a, are a terrible thing to waste, I would say. So I, I would interpret that to say, I think, and this is probably not anything revolutionary in terms of thought about the wrestling business, That WWE and maybe other brands, but especially WWE, have neglected to build stars in the way that they would need to to build a stronger business. And that while people like George Barrios and Michelle Wilson and maybe Frank Riddick have a great deal of talent and skill and experience uh, on how to run a media company, they are not wrestling people with a vision for what will make the wrestling brand stronger in the long term or in terms of understanding what kinds of stars, domestically or internationally, are needed to make WWE even more profitable. But I suppose it's the CEO of Vince McMahon who's, that's his job to define that strategy, and define what makes a star and who the next stars are. And that's clearly something that he's failed at greatly, despite the fact that the, the value of his company has increased greatly, thanks to the exploding value of live sports TV. And if I were an investor, this is a recurring mantra on this podcast, lately. If I were an investor, which I am not, but if I were a purely amoral, I don't care about taste or art quality investor, doesn't care about how good the wrestling product is and doesn't care whether it's ethical or moral, even if I'm that kind of investor, I'm worried, not in the short term, but in the long term, not necessarily five years from now. Well, not not, not necessarily for the duration of these TV contracts through about 2024. But if I'm committed to hold this stock for 10 years, and I look at this company's track record at trying to cultivate stars, particularly over the last five years, but even going back as far as 15 or 20 years, and if I look at the viewership demographics, the aging of this audience, the way that WWE has mismanaged and disregarded its relationship with its consumers, at times in favor of improving relationships that are improving with its business partners, But sometimes investing in relationships like the relationship with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which is very lucrative in the short term, to the tune of $50 million every time they go there, but which has a hidden expense. It is not just an expense that causes damage to WWE's relationship with people who care about human rights or are aware of what's going on in Saudi Arabia, but it is in some ways on a global scale somewhat analogous to... When Jim Crockett Promotions stopped running Starcade in Greensboro, North Carolina or Atlanta, Georgia and moved it to Chicago, Illinois, making its homegrown home base fan base sort of feel like they had been neglected and passed over, a risk that New Japan may be running if it makes its domestic audience feel like New Japan is favoring a global vision at the expense of catering to its domestic audience. Not saying that's happening in a strong way yet but that is a risk that has to be considered for new japan and in the same way besides the human rights abuses problems besides the the problems of not being able to to do women's matches over there at first and besides the controversy surrounding the murder of jamal khashoggi by the saudi government a message is being sent to the the base of WWE fans when WWE does enormous shows in saudi arabia with cards that have bigger stars than any show outside of Wrestlemania, and delivering shows where the bulk of the roster seems to be just kind of going through the motions in the desert, it is in a sense WWE not taking care of their base audience, passing them over for some supposedly greater ambition. And when they return home, incrementally, in a number of metrics, WWE has found that that base audience is diminishing. So to come back around, if I were a W investor concerned only with the economics of the business, but yet still know everything that I know, I would be concerned in 10 years about what kind of audience the company is going to have and whether or not that audience will be ceded to other forms of entertainment and other forms of wrestling that cultivate better relationships with the consumers who are ultimately the foundation of the industry. But speaking of star power, that's a good enough segue, I think, to go on to the Google search data. If you've been following WrestleNomics on Twitter at WrestleNomics, then you know that I've been uh, doing some research with Google Web Search, which anybody can actually do uh, at friends.google.com. And you can download the CSVs and harness them in such a way that they are only limited by your own uh, uh, powers. And what I've done is, and this, this will take some explaining, because I've been seeing that the, some of this got shared on Reddit, which I'm, I'm glad for, but there's always some people who don't. Uh, where I, excuse me, I could do a better job explaining what all of this stuff really means. So what I do is I go to Google Trends, and I type in people's names, wrestlers' names in this case. And what is the data that we're collecting? The data that we're collecting is in almost all cases, in most cases, with some exceptions, which we'll get into, is not just search strings for a person's name, so not just, for example, John Moxley, which would be a problem, right, because John Moxley has been known by other names, including Dean Ambrose. So in most cases, especially for more famous people and less so for less famous people, Google has what I'll call a topic So if I start to type in the name Dean Ambrose or John Moxley or even Jonathan Good, Google Trends will prompt me to the topic, which they have called John Moxley, because that is the name at this point that that person is most known by in the present anyway, or at least that's why I think Google has uh, used that name instead of Dean Ambrose which they used previously for this person who goes by any of Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, or Jonathan Good. So within that topic, that is referencing the name or names of that person, it'll give you search data for not just the search terms for that person's name or the alternatives to that person's name, but anything, and this is where we Get into some trouble here, but anything that Google and its algorithmic wisdom deems related to the topic, the topic of John Moxley. So, if I type John Moxley into Google Trends right now, the the top related queries that it tells me, uh, worldwide basis, are Ambrose, Dean Ambrose, Moxley, John Moxley, WWE, uh, Ambrose WWE. W. Dean Ambrose, AEW, Roman Reigns, Moxley, AEW, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, AEW, John Moxley, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, WWE, Renee Young, John Moxley, and so on. So I've seen some concern that maybe this data would only refer to John Moxley and would not refer to Dean Ambrose, and that that is not the case. This is referring to, hopefully, I'm sure it's not perfect, but it's referring to a lot of different queries that are related to the person John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose. So likewise for the vast majority of the other people, with some exceptions, especially the the less well-known people like, or people who are just earlier in their fame. It takes some time for Google Trends, apparently, to create a topic for someone. So people like Jungle Boy, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Orange Cassidy, Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, and so on. So anyway, what we find, and you can find this on Nomics at Twitter. Uh, I went back to uh, a full five years, so we're going, we're starting with Q3 2015, all the way through Q2 2020. And I, I won't bore you too much by just reading through this because I think it's it, you'll get a, a much better grasp of it if you look at the table and look at the spreadsheet. If you want to, if you want to really get into this, but. And suffice to say, like one of the takeaways here is that uh, it, it's another reinforcement of do not underestimate the level of exposure that being in WWE for a while or a long time uh, gives someone, at least in terms of their web search results on a worldwide basis. So I sorted this uh, by the average over the last three quarters, that would be since the time that AEW has been on TNT. And the top four names over that time are John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy, and Cody Rhodes. Four people who had been in WWE previously. Interestingly, Kenny Omega is number five. It's not necessarily interesting that he's number five, but there are some other interesting results when you look closer at the trends for Kenny Omega What we find for Kenny Omega is that searches for him on a worldwide basis were higher in his last two years in New Japan than they are at any time yet after he left New Japan. And Kenny Omega left New Japan having his last match there on January 4th, 2019. Now, that's on a worldwide basis, but we see similar results if we break that down just to the United States. So it's not as if searches in Japan...
0: and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one and it takes care of everything in a complete yuffieofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150 then BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. Twenty-one plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C.
1: the results here, even in the United States, there is a stronger trend for web searches in his last years with New Japan than there is for the time after that. And this was a, an issue that a lot of people reacted to when I posted this stuff. And some of the questions that were raised are are interesting and, and good questions to look into to address just some of the usual and good questions that people ask when we try to study web searches. As in, what's the significance of a web search? Let's try to understand that. So, so one of the things that uh, somebody asked was, or said was that, you know, after uh, Kenny Omega became famous and had great matches with Kazuchika Okada, for example, and he became a big star for the first time, at that point, people had to search for him, and after that point, people knew who he was and didn't have to search for him anymore. So this brings up the issue with Google Web Search. Man, this is how far down the rabbit hole I am. <laughs> we, we, are, we are unpacking the minutiae of understanding Google web searches as it relates to the wrestling industry, but but so so this is something that you might call the discovery effect, which you do see uh, anytime that say somebody debuts or a big moment in somebody's career happens, or you especially see it when somebody dies. You know, I collected a lot of names related to WWE that I may or may not get into today, uh, including China. Searches for China when she passes away in 2016 are are really high, higher than that of I think anybody in WV during that year, in, in the month that she passes away. And in fact, the, the thing that really skews and upsets the, the, the scale of, of doing this over a large period of time is Chris Benoit. It's pretty clear if Google web search is any indication that the Chris Benoit uh, murder-suicide story is the biggest wrestling news story, uh, at least since 2004, if not ever. So it just sort of totally messes up everything that you try to understand in June of 2007, at least related to WWE. But anyway, there is this, what I would call a discovery effect. Again, around the time that somebody becomes famous for the first time, or debuts in a promotion for the first time, or becomes a big star for the first time. uh, For example, when Kenny Omega becomes a big star on a level he had never been at before, when he has that big a memorable and famous match with Kazuchika Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 2017 in January of that year. And, and sometimes people want to kind of dismiss uh, Google web search data as being, I don't know, interesting or meaningful because of this these kinds of of effects. And I think that's generally going a little too far. Now, maybe I'm biased because, after all, I'm the one who's collecting the data and putting all sorts of time into trying to analyze and understand and get meaning out of the data. So maybe there's an urge to ascribe meaning on my part, but I I think there are meaningful, uh, meaningful trends and meaningful things that we learn from researching this data. If you're hearing gunshots going on in the back, they are not in fact gunshots, but they are, I don't think they are. I think they are fireworks. They could be, uh, in fact, anti-Google web search skeptics. But I think like any metric, it is any metric that we use to try to understand something about the wrestling industry, or in this case, something about somebody's star power or the economic effect that a given wrestler or personality may have on a business. Especially these days, There is seldom ever just one metric that will tell you that somebody is a draw. These are all just puzzle pieces, if you will. So I've been downloading the CSVs from Google Trends, and I've been studying this stuff for a few years now. And I think I have a decent understanding of the kinds of things to to take seriously and to not take seriously. And the data is not perfect, and sometimes it's complicated by ambiguities. Like sometimes uh, there are you know, unrelated or unwanted queries that are included in somebody's topic, and you may see for a given uh, topic way back in time before this person was ever a public figure, there's somehow search activity related to this person. The one who comes to mind is Page, where we see, well, I think there is a lot of real data in the data and i think she is one of the most searched for people in WB of the modern of the modern times the last five years or so if you look at her topic going back to 2004 well before she was a public figure when she would have been about age 12 there is far less but still some search data for her which i would not expect to see Whereas with other people, before they were public figures, you see the number right down to zero. But anyway, I th- with some imperfections and caveats, I think what the Google web search tells you, and keeping in mind that Google is, as, as we sit here, the by far the most popular search engine in the world, and I know it's not the most popular search engine in every country in the world, But it certainly is in the United States. It probably is in most English-speaking countries. And I think it's a good suggestion of what we might call mind share is. uh, About a person or a thing or a topic. I think it's it's a decent metric for asking the question and trying to understand an answer to the question. How much are people thinking about this person or thing? like so many other things in wrestling, whether it's a TV rating or an attendance or a quarter hour, it is only a puzzle piece and it is not in itself sufficient for satisfying the question that wrestling fans are desperate to answer. Is this person a draw or not a draw? But I think it's a good suggestion. It provides a good hint. And with other data, with other, uh, other data from other aspects of business, I think it's one thing among other things that you could use together to make a case for a wrestling star being, or perhaps not being, a positive economic difference maker. So back to Kenny Omega. So he's got strong web search activity, Worldwide and even in the US, during the time that he's in New Japan, a Japanese-based company, more search activity happening at that time than there is in this AEW part of his career. You know, despite the fact that I think it's pretty much inarguable that Kenny Omega is now in the US, certainly and probably on a worldwide basis, is now exposed on stronger distribution platforms, distribution platforms that have a stronger reach in this AEW part of his career than he did in the New Japan part of his career. Why do I think that? Well, in New Japan, he was on Japanese TV uh, in the middle of the night, on TV Asahi, in one country. He was on Access, which is a relatively minor cable channel, uh, that's in about 40 million homes, which is about half of what TNT is in. And TNT is a stronger, more high-profile network. In addition to TNT, AEW is distributed in a number of uh, countries outside the U.S., mostly on Warner media related channels. And I'm not aware of... Really, any international TV broadcasting that he was on on a regular basis while he was with New Japan, and it's true. Sometimes he was on Ring of Honor TV, I think, right? And but Ring of Honor syndicated on Sinclair stations—that that's worth something. Uh, Ring of Honor not in every market in the U.S. Last I knew, they were still not in uh, in the the major three markets of the of New York. Chicago. Maybe they were getting on Chicago. Lavi uh, Margolin is is yelling at me. I'm sure now, but I think at one point they were not yet on in the New York, L.A. and Chicago markets. So I I may be uh, I may need some help with some of the details here. But I I don't think it can be argued that Kenny Omega was on stronger distribution platforms with when he was with New Japan than he is now. Now that he is with AEW. And in fact, it seems clear that he is now on stronger distribution platforms with a stronger reach in this current part of his career. So if you didn't know better, you might expect to find his web search trends continue to climb upward and be higher than they were during the time that he was with New Japan. But that is not the case. Web searches for Kenny Omega are in fact lower for him since he left New Japan. Now probably a lot of that has to do with. How he's positioned. In AEW versus how he was positioned in New Japan. He was positioned more as a main eventer. In New Japan. Especially in those last couple of years. And he has not yet. Often been positioned as a main eventer. While in AEW. And this leads uh, some people to. To sort of use this data to back up an argument that, look, Kenny Omega is being underutilized. And maybe he is. Maybe it's the case that this is someone who who is primed and ready to be a bigger star than he is being at the moment. Yet I think whether or not that's justifiable or economically uh, beneficial or preferable has to be weighed against whatever alternatives you think AEW is choosing instead of pushing Kenny Omega as more of a main event player right now. Maybe one would argue that whatever he's doing with Adam page right now on a tag team is working toward elevating Adam page so that the the sum in the end will be greater than whatever Kenny Omega would have done as a, as an individual or in some alternate scenario. Now I did a similar search for WWE as well. Uh, with the the aw research was called the moxley scale because i kind of have to find the person who has the highest peak of google web search and then measure that person against everybody else because google web search does, or google trends does not give us absolute numbers does not give us real numbers but gives us a a index measured against the highest volume anyway for people currently on the aw roster going back five years that person is john moxley for WWE, uh, with some exceptions that I had to reconcile, going back to 2004, that person is John Cena. Now, as I said, there are some exceptions, like Ronda Rousey. Her peak when she was with UFC is enormous, so I had to adjust for that. Otherwise, her—if I used Ronda Rousey as as the the standard—she would have dwarfed everyone, and I think the the data would have been harder to make substance out of. But one of the takeaways I found was I, I also went into cage match and pulled out all the all-time rosters for each year going back to 2004 to the present. And then I used the Google web search data to find who, who are the, the top 10 for each year in terms of searches and then count up how many matches each of those 10 people had in each of the years. And what you find is, somewhat not surprisingly, that in recent years the number of matches that the top 10 have had in the year for WWE has shrunk is is declining in number that is the people who are in the top 10 are increasingly so people who don't have a lot of matches in the year for WWE so let's just rule out 2020 because it's a weird year and there's coronavirus and there's no house shows but in 2019 the top 10 and by the way you've got to have at least one WWE match in the year to qualify for the list that is my self-created criteria Uh, The top 10 are Cena, Reigns, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, Becky Lynch, Dave Batista, Seth Rollins, and Randy Orton. Those 10 people had a total of 471 matches, down from the prior year at 574, from the prior year of 601, from the prior year of 701, from the prior year of 851. Then he gets thrown off a bit because The Rock is in there. By the way, some information about TV viewership. First on a whole program basis before we touch on the quarter hours. Just some takeaways, uh, not just from last week, but sort of in in general. I'm watching closely how the the key demo 18 to 49 is uh, when you combine NXT and AEW. And I'm looking at whether or not that's uh, that combined number is how that's comparing with Raw and SmackDown. This week, it exceeded uh, at least Raw. For the first time since, I think, the early days of the Wednesday night competition, uh, 0.51 for NXT and AEW combined versus Raw's 0.48. SmackDown, we only get to the 10th. We only get one decimal for SmackDown, so it did a 0.50 as as, as the best I can tell. But if they're rounding to the nearest 10th, then it could have done as much as a 0.54, which would be higher than AEW and NXT combined. AEW and NXT combined, though, still lower than the total audience, on, on the total audience. Uh, about 1.5 million viewers total between NXT and AEW, uh, still short of Raw this week of 1.7 million. And it has never been the case yet that AEW and NXT combined uh, have exceeded the total audience of Raw in the same week. Not even in the, uh, the debut week for AEW did that happen. But why am I watching this? I have this, uh, the prediction that, uh, I think I made, I made the prediction that sometime in 2021, NXT and AEW combined, which of course run head-to-head at the same time, 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night, combined, uh, my prediction is that by 2021, or it was back in September, that those two programs combined would exceed uh Either Raw or SmackDown on an individual basis. In other words, Wednesday night will become the biggest night for wrestling viewership in the key demo. I, th- I think that's going to happen more quickly because that's what coronavirus does. It makes things that are going to happen happen a little bit more quickly than they would otherwise. See, I'm just scanning here. I think that is the only the only time that the only other time that AEW and NXT combined have exceeded Raw was on the first week. Uh, was on the Dynamite debut on October second, where along with NXT it combines to a 1.0 even compared to Raw's 0.89. But it did so again this week. Uh, but that being said, the decline in viewership. This is another major takeaway. I mean, not big news, but another takeaway that I have is that Raw and SmackDown that were declining strongly in April and part of March. They really settled down and have plateaued here in May and June. This uh, apparently coronavirus-related decline in viewership has settled down for Raw and SmackDown. It has not been as strong for NXT or AEW. While I think coronavirus has hurt NXT and AEW, I don't believe, as I've heard some others say, that it has hurt everybody equally. It has not. It has hurt Raw and SmackDown more. But related to TV viewership, uh, some other things I've been working on. I've made some tables here, which you can find yourself in the Showbuzz Daily viewership spreadsheet, which is available on WrestleNinox.com. Anyone can access it. It is like a public library. This is not super secret special information. This is just information that I have happened to type into Excel spreadsheet cells over the last few years. But anyway, in one of the tabs in that spreadsheet, I've made a, a table to give a visual representation of of what's been happening in the competition between AEW and NXT throughout the the history of that competition going back to October 2nd uh, across all the demographics that Shoba's Daily tells us about. And by the way, this week we should note that uh, NXT did have an an impressive uh, performance. NXT did not beat AEW in the key demo. NXT has only done that once in the history of this competition, going back to December 18th. That's the only time that AEW uh, beat a- or NXT beat AEW in the key demo, 18-49. But NXT has beaten AEW in the total audience a number of times, including this past week. Of course, you've got Chris Jericho out here on Twitter screenshotting Show buzz daily and shouting about uh, key demos and how they matter. uh, uh. It, it, it is indeed the the uh, demographic that advertisers care greatly about, but in many ways this was NXT's best performance in a long time. This, of course, was the the Great American Bash episode, going head to head against Fighter Fest for AEW. Uh, NXT did its highest uh, eighteen to forty nine rating since March fourth. It did its highest total audience since February nineteenth, and compared to. All other cable programs airing on Wednesday night on that night, it ranked 12th. That's the highest it's ranked since December 4th. And another remarkable fact, what's the demo that NXT always wins? Almost always. NXT almost always beats AEW Dynamite in the P50+. plus. This color-coded table uh, that I've created, again, you can find that on the spreadsheet if you want to look at it it's the w slash l for win loss tab uh there is only one week uh, that we know of there are some weeks where we don't have full demographic views because nxt ranked below the top 50 i think is if you're not in the top 50 we only get the key demo and the total audience and there are some weeks back in uh late march and, and april and some even in uh, early January, where NXT did not rank in the top 50, so we don't have a complete demographic view. But for those that we do, which is the majority of them, there is only one week that we know of when AEW actually beat NXT in the P50+, plus the olds category, as some call it. That week was February 26th. I don't know what AEW did to attract the old audience, but on that week, though, in fact, they beat NXT in every single demographic the only week that that has happened. Uh, NXT and AEW also tied in the week before and week after in that old demographic. But AEW continues to win in the vast majority of demographics, except for total audience and people over the age of 50. And, and, and that's another aside we can get into here. Is I just I, I would like to meet and hear from this large section of the audience. Especially for NXT, but you know other programs as well, the, the Raw and SmackDown, and maybe let's see, yeah, not not in every week, but in some weeks AEW as well. The biggest, the highest-rated demographic uh, on the show buzz daily tables anyway is the P50 plus demographic. And as as someone who I don't know interacts with uh, uh, people of my same age who who are wrestlers or wrestling fans, and I, I see people interacting on Twitter all the time who I imagine are around my age or younger, maybe some a little bit older. I'm 34. Oh, by the way, my, I'm, I'm about to, to leave that 18 to 34 demographic, which is heartbreaking. But My question is, who, who is this large you know, portion of the demographic, large portion of the wrestling audience, at least the TV viewing audience, that is over the age of 50? And, and may, maybe this is just a function of, to some degree it must be, a function of, people who watch linear tv regular tv uh on their tv set through a cable or satellite service sometimes i watch it on sling and that that stuff is available and that stuff is recorded by nielsen but anyway maybe to some degree it must be just a, a function of of older people tend to consume content in the more traditional way younger people tend to consume it less so in that way and maybe to some degree, in reality, the people who are interested or engaging in, or watching the, the wrestling, the WWE or AEW content, are in fact younger than, than the, the, the demographics show. I'm sure that's happening to some extent. I just don't know how much. And I'm curious to know whether the audience is really as old as the demographics suggest or to what degree they actually are. I guess I'm saying this because if you go to a wrestling show, whether that's not just an indie show, but a, a WWE show or an AEW show. I haven't been to an AEW show, but you know, a few years ago I went to a, a handful of, of WWE events. And you don't see many people who look to be over the age of 50. You see anything but that. I guess, so who are all these people who are you know, watching the TV, but apparently, at least in non-coronavirus times, not buying tickets, and I'd be curious to know too, and we'll probably never know. What are the age demographics of something like the WWE Network, which is a newer form of media a streaming video? But, and if there really is this disproportionate older audience in the wrestling culture, and we're not capturing their 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 ticket revenue, why not? What's, I mean, is there a business opportunity there that's not being seized? In non-coronavirus times, is there something that's just not being done to sell people over the age of 50 on tickets? And you would think that money is not as much of an issue, right? Older people, the older the people are, the more of more income they tend to have available. So I don't know that that is one of the questions that perplexes me. If you have thoughts about it, uh, l- let me know. Quarter hours. Thanks to our friend Detlef who has entered all the quarter-hour data that has been reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. He has entered all of those numbers into the spreadsheet. And I spent a few hours delving into them today. Uh, I have at one point tried to line up all the quarter-hours with what was actually happening in the quarter-hour on the respective programs. Uh, that's, that's not exactly what I was getting into today. What I was getting into today was more of creating a, a, a table that shows who won each quarter-hour and then separately, in what, quarter, in what quarter hours in the history of this Wednesday night competition, in what segments is it the case that one of the programs gained in viewers while the other program lost viewers? So in other words, try and get an idea of what are the segments in which one program perhaps took viewers away from another program. The two programs here obviously being NXT and AW Dynamite. So uh, not to disappoint anybody, I'm not going to tell you who's a draw and who's not a draw today. I, I, will, I will try to get into this uh, more later to identify and label what these segments are. But we have the quarter hours for most weeks broken down both by total audience and by Key Demo, because Key Demo is the only one that matters, according to Chris Jericho. And, and yes, I know it, it does matter a lot more than the total audience. But anyway, basically, we're asking who led and who gained. Those are the two questions. And what stands out the most here is, in the key demo, AEW has led NXT in every single quarter hour that I have. I, I'm, I, am, missing, uh, I am missing some stuff. So we're, we're starting at, not at the beginning on October 1st. I don't have data going all the way back there. I have it from November 13th through the present. I am missing three weeks. Those three weeks are December 18th, January 8th. And April 8th. But everything else I have. So we're dealing with 30 weeks of competition here. And in the key demo, AEW has led NXT in every single quarter hour except for five. Two of those quarter hours that NXT led AEW for were last week. Not uh, July 1st, but June 24th in the final two segments of the June 24th program. I think I heard Victory Lap Lanza tell me that that involved Orange Cassidy and uh, Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho as well. Clearly, I'm not watching every one of these episodes closely, as you would expect. In the total audience, uh, is is more competitive. Still, uh, from from November 6th through the present, AEW wins about two thirds of, of the quarters in total audience. Again, the last two weeks going particularly well for NXT. Uh, Two weeks ago, June 24th, NXT won 9 out of 10 of the quarters in total audience. And then this week, won in 6 out of 10 of the quarters. 6 out of 10, what am I saying? There's 8 quarters. I'm sorry. 7 out of 8 last week. 5 out of 8 this week. So big takeaway here. NXT is gaining some momentum. Watch to see if this trend continues. So that's all I have. I, I'm, I'm at the hour. I apologize to Jerry McDivitt. I apologize to Bushy Road. I hope to get to those topics. Next time, I will say that many of the things that Jerry McDivitt rose in his defense and argument for dismissal of the class action lawsuits uh, were raised uh, when we discussed this a couple weeks ago. But I am at the hour, and that is my self-imposed limit. You can find a lot of the information that we talked about in this hour at WrestleOnix.com. If not there, you can find it on Twitter at WrestleOnix. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston, and I'll talk to you again next time.